Hi family, welcome to the PIWC Accra podcast where we are inspired, challenged and equipped to possess our spheres of influence with principles and values from the word of God, preached and taught powerfully by anointed and seasoned men and women of God. We believe strongly that this word will bless your life, so do not keep it to yourself, share it with someone you know needs to hear it. On today's episode of the podcast, we are certain that you'd be blessed. Now, family, let's get into the Word of God. I'm privileged to be introducing to you a man that God has used for many years. For over 30 years, he's been in the trenches of evangelism in Liberia, in certain West African countries. He's been there, he's been working across board, just preaching the gospel. This man is an evangelist by DNA. You will not see him using the title, but he's uh, an evangelist. He has been trained as an accountant and he also holds a degree in theology. Married to Fseva, they are blessed with four children. And um, he's a member of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International, and also the founder of Full Gospel Rural Outreach Foundation. And I want to introduce to you currently the senior pastor of Faith Family Global Ministries based at Ashalaja and uh, a former Muslim who was dramatically converted to Christianity. And he has a testimony to share with us. His name is Pastor Mashud Jima. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Some years back, you can't tell me this because there's nothing like the house of the Lord. The only house of the Lord I know is the mosque. And I was born and bred and brought up as a Muslim. I believe there are many people in this room who may know me because I live in Newtown. I grew up in Newtown. There's an area called Raku. I don't know how many of you know Raku. Royal Academy of Accountancy. By the grace of God, I also taught for some few years in that school. So we are home, and I believe God is going to speak to us. Shall we have a word of prayer? Father, for so many years, you have been good to us. Many years ago you were. Today you are still on the throne. And forever and ever, you remain on the throne. That is why when Moses encountered you, and he said, when I go, and they ask me, who sent me? You said, go and tell them my name is I am. I am that I am. We never understood the word I am until Jesus surfaced. And he said, I am the beginning and the end. I am the author and perfecter. I am the bread of life. I am the streams of life. 
I am the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. Father, we say thank you this morning. Thank you this morning. Thank you this morning. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the adorations. We exalt your name above every name. Above every principality and above every territorial demon. And we say thank you. Those who doesn't know you, if they will not worship you, we don't care. But we know you. And we always worship and bow unto your holiness. Thank you for the surpassing greatness. Thank you for the accomplished work on the cross. I can hear your voice over and over. When you proclaim it is finished. Thank you for the finished work. Thank you for teaching us to be a servant leader. Thank you for holding the towels and cleaning the feet of your disciples. Thank you for demonstrating the holiness, the power, the glory, the honor, the splendor and everything. Thank you for revealing the kingdom of heaven to us. This one we have guarded. I pray, oh God, that may we never live here the same. May the testimony transform the life of many. May it bring hope to the hopeless. And as many who are doubting God in their mind, may they have the cause to believe once more. Lord, I commit myself into your hands. Use me as a vessel. And when everything is done, Father, please take the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. My name is Dima Adisama Shoot. That name sounds more Islamic. And when I became a Christian, a lot of people have told me to change the name Mashut. And I said, no, I want to be identified with that name. Because after all, the, the meaning of that name is the servant of God. So I am the servant of God. I was born some few years ago, uh, about 60 years ago. Uh, I'll be 61 on the 21st July, 2024, which means I'm already 60 this year. I'm not too grown. I'm still a young man. I grew up in a suburb of Accra called Accra Newtown. And uh, I grew up as a very hard person. Many of you know the Columbia Streets. How many of you know Columbia Streets? Yes. We were working at the Columbia Street. And you know that Columbia Street, you know what we do there? We deal in drug. We sell. We smoke, we sniff, we eject. We do all sorts of things at the Columbia Street. If you know Columbia Street, it's connected to West Africa Secondary School. Not West Africa Secondary School of today. In those days, when we talk of Tessaco, then you talk of us. So you know where I'm coming from. But growing up, I developed special hatred towards Christianity. And you dare not preach in my area. There was this popular preacher in Accra Newtown. Many of you know him. Osofu Paul. How many of you know Osofu Paul? They will say, yes, we didn't him. Then we respond, The church is, uh, I think, Christ Preacher's Church. In those days, they don't wear sandals. 
they wear this long white robe with their this thing, and then they'll be holding that light. Uh, do we call it Aladdin? They'll be holding it. And that man can preach. And any time that he preaches, he's either coming for the prostitute, coming for the drunkards, coming for the drug addicts, or coming against the Muslims. There's a place at Accra Newton called All Stars. How many of you know All Stars? Opposite All Stars, there was a popular park where all sorts of crusade takes place. I'm talking of the 70s and early 80s. So, this man came to preach one day at Accra Newtown, and I organized my boys. I was a founder of a, I was a founder of a group called Movement for Antichrist. All what we do is to make sure we throw stone, we make sure we don't do crusade in our area there. And uh, this man came to preach. And that, unfortunately for him, he came because of the Muslims. He lambasted and lambasted. We threw stone, we did everything. This one will not go. So I walked towards a soft port that night and I gave him a slap. So the people in the area said, No, this is becoming too much. So they were coming, they were rushing. And the man said, We'll leave him. One day will be a pastor and they will beat him as well. And uh, I never believed what he said, but it came to pass. One day I was preaching at a Kwesimin team in, in Takrade. And then these Muslim guys came around and they beat me blue black. And unfortunately for me, the people who invited me for that crusade, they all ran away. And I find myself at Ifyan Kwanta Hospital for so many days. Praise the Lord. I see growing up, I begin to ask questions. Where is God? Does God really exist? I go to mosque. I've read the Quran from Bismillah to Walalali now. My father is a staunch Muslim. And I've been to Makaranta. I know the Quran, I know. But yesterday I realized Something was missing. But in Islamic religion, you have been brainwashed to know that God is one, and that is Allah. And is the, the, the only way to worship is the way you go and perform the ablation, you wash your leg, you wash, and everything, you have been brainwashed. So it will be very difficult to come out of it. But when I finished secondary school in 1983, when I finished this form, my father asked me whether I want to go to the university or want to come into his trade. He was by then trading at the timber market, dealing in irons, I mean, uh, plates, governance pipes here and there. And then he answered and said, oh, it's better to be at the market because when you go to school, you come and find money. Why won't you start finding the money now? So I joined him and money was coming. You see, money was coming left and right. My father had children with about 22 women. And so, you know, I caught on one man. So I followed suit. The women, there was no problem. Red, blue, green, black, short, big, thing, everything. When my car is coming home from Newtown, it was like disco on wheel. And I'm a fan of Bob Marley. So there's no song of Bob Marley that I don't know how to sing. Especially the one that says war. I believe in that song so much. 
Whilst I was going through this activity, my poor mother was looking at me. I never knew it wasn't my mother until I became a Christian. My father gave money to, he gave me money to trade. And then I started a business. Business was booming. I'll go to Nigeria, bring the goods, come and sell. Then I had a friend with Meridian Tobacco who happened to be the accountant. I don't know whether that company still exists anyway. And uh, he would bring the company money. I'll add it to mine, go to Nigeria, bring the goods. And when I come, we share the profit. But on this fateful event, I went to Nigeria to buy my goods. Normally, it takes about two weeks for the ship to land and when clear. One month, the ship was not in. Two months, three months, I said no. So I went back to Nigeria only to be informed that the ship has sunk. And everything gone with it, no insurance, nothing. The guy from the Meridian Tobacco, it's a company money. So they started disturbing him. By then, I've had my small house at uh, Agoba. There's a place called uh, Sakura at Agoba. So I need to sell the house, sold my car. I went back to my father. I said, no, I gave you capital. I gave you the chance. So if you have messed it up, go and start it all over again. So life became so difficult. I started this drug. I smoke, I sneeze, I drink, and everything was falling apart. And then my mother looked at me and said, look, my son, you need to travel. To cut a long story short, I traveled outside the country to Holland, and that very day, I was brought back to Accra. <laughs> By then, we were using a passport called Bantiaba. How many of you know Bantiaba? Oh, nobody here. Bantiaba is that old passport. Then you go to tiptoe lane. Then they'll change the picture of the person on the passport and fix your, your picture. So if the name is Nana Boatin, your name is now Nana Boatin, your name changes automatically. I remember I bought this passport in uh, Tiptole, and the name on it was Nana Sakodiado. And uh, it has a German visa. I got to Germany, I don't know how they detected it. Then they brought me back to Ghana. When my mother saw me, said, no, there's something wrong with you. So he took me to Kowling. And then they gave me those cards, put the concussion in it. In fact, we even sacrificed, I think, a, a sheep. And then the man said, this time, if you go, they won't bring you back. I said, thank you. So we came back home, and my mother said, we should go and buy the Tushin passport again. I said, no. This time, let me go and do my own passport so that I can go. I did the passport, and by the grace of God, I was given a visa to London. When I was going, my mother told me, I have a friend called Efrifa in London. I was talking to him about you. You just go there, give this money to him. He'll get you your uh, green card or whatever they call it to stay. So yes. To the amazement, to my amazement, the man met me at the airport, took me home. I spent about two weeks with him. He took my 500 pounds. It was a big money in those days. And he said, oh, I'll work on your paper for you. But you don't have to be in central London. So I'm taking you to Nottingham. Be with a friend there so that I'll prepare your papers. Maybe the paper will come tomorrow. I don't know. That was the last time I saw a free file. 
Now, whilst there, the man I was staying with, I see him just once a week for about one hour, only on Sunday. He works 24-7. Every day is working. Every day is working. But I had a dream. I was lying in the room there and I had a dream that I was holding a Bible and I was talking and thousands of people were listening to me. I didn't understand. So one day when he came, I told him, I've been having this series of dreams. He said, well, maybe God wants to use you for his work. I said, ah, if God wants to use me, I'm a Muslim. Why will he give me Bible? He said, ah, fine. But I realized that there was uneasily something around me. I wasn't feeling okay. So one day he came and I told him, Look, do you know something? I want to go back to Ghana. He said, you are, you are joking. You just came. What do you have? You don't have anything. I said, no, I'm going back to Ghana. So okay. If you want to go to Ghana, go and pick the train. Just walk around. They will arrest you. Ask you of your paper. If you don't have it, they throw you back to Ghana. So I came back to Ghana without a ticket or anything. True to his word, I was arrested. Question. They kept me for about a week. And the next available flight, I was in Kotoka. When I came back, my mother looked at me and said, no, why are you back? And you see, she's a woman who has spent so much. She was working at Makola by then. And she was, I think she was their uh, queen mother or something. So all the money was with, with her. And she said, okay, this time around, I want you to go to Gabon, where your uncle is. Your uncle was there when he built this house. Your uncle was there when he built this house. They pointed it to me. I said, okay, I'll go. My uncle came down, and then by then we were taking the visa to Gabon at uh, Togo. So we were sleeping in one hotel in Togo. I still remember the name of today. The name is Hotel Do Fevre. I don't know whether it's still there. Hotel Do Fevre. We were sleeping in that hotel. Then I had a dream, holding the same black Bible. And thousands upon thousands of people were listening. I took my uncle, that look, this is... the about the tenth time I'm having this dream. Then so then God wants to use you as a she, uh, malam. I said, ah. but he didn't give me Quran. He gave me Bible. So it's all the same. So we went to Gabon. When we got to Gabon, my uncle didn't have paper. We call the paper card Jeju. What we are calling Ghana card today. It has been in existence for a very long time. In, in Gabon, you need that thing to work. If you don't have it, you cannot work. They even arrest you whilst you are walking around. But Ghanaians have a way of getting the paper. Ghanaians, we are smart. We call that paper Banchiaba. Do you know the Banchiaba? If Mr. Frelander has the card, then I'll go and take the original, put my picture where his picture is, and then we go and do lamination, and then I have a copy. So I'll be having the Fake one, but original one is with him. So when the soldiers met you, hey, papi, papi, you just show it. I have a paper, they are lazy. When I got to Gabon, around 1986, they stopped using the paper because when the police catch you and you show that this thing, they say, okay, let's go home and show us the original. So we couldn't use it again. But on this fateful day when my uncle was going, I said, don't go out. It was a time when Omar Bongo and the opposition, they were having a lot of problems. So the whole area was so volatile. 
But you see, I was having this uh, quest for alcohol. My body has started showing me sign. You know what we call it? Donkey. So I came out and I met a Ghanaian. He said, oh, are you a stranger? There's a place called Ghana House. Let's go. So he took me to Ghana House. And to my surprise, I saw a lot of Ghanaians there. Alcohol was in abundance. Do you know what we used to do the alcohol? Nails. Dadwa. We put the nails in water for so many days. And then we removed the uh, nails and then we put uh, yeast. This uh, uh, baking powder, we put it into it. I don't know how they stir it. They add some sugar, keep it for some time. And then it's even better than the, uh, the original appetizer. So every day I'll go there and drink. And when I'm coming home, it's like, I've drunk to the stupor. In one of the drinking expeditions, I went and I was arrested by the police. Where's your paper? I said, I don't have paper. So they took me to their Grobo okay. That's their prison. When I got to the prison there, I realized there were so many people there. Ghanaians, Nigerians, I mean aliens. So I asked them, when are we living here? They said, hey, you just came and you are thinking of living. You only live when Oman Bongo think you people have to leave. Or by divine intervention, if you are, you, are, you are taken to town, you can bribe some of the officers and then they will leave you to go. Then I told them, I will not spend one week here. Then they laugh. I remember that man very well. His name is Ahim. And first week I was still there. Second week I was still there. Then I spent one month. I was there for two months, three months, four months. Then they started calling me ASEAN. Do you understand the meaning of ASEAN? Old, how do you call it, senior. Then I was there for eight months. Then one day I had a dream that I have this same Bible I've been seeing over and over. So I told him that this is about the 12th time that I'm having this dream. Then he said, God wants to make you a pastor. Then he told me about Samuel. When God was calling Samuel, the story didn't make sense to me anyway because I don't understand it. Then he told me, maybe God is going to use you. So prepare for it. I said, yo. About a week later, I had a dream that they've opened the prison and I walk out and nobody asked me a question. The prison is like suck away. They'll open it, pull the ladder, and then they'll come in there. So this fateful day, I remember they opened the prison. Before they have told him, I'm going home. Before they have told them, I'm going home. He said, how can you go? I said, no, I'll go. I have a dream. I'll go. He said, okay. When they came to open the prison, I started walking out. I climbed the ladder. I came out, and I saw the soldiers with their dogs at the entrance. Then I walked past them. I walked like from here to the main gate, and nobody asked me anything. Then I remember I've left my expensive watch in there. I bought that watch in UK. Very, very expensive. Waterproof. I mean, it has everything. And I said, no, I can't leave this watch. So I walked back, descend, and when I saw me, ah, and I said, I came for my watch. And I said, what about them? Then I clamped up again, 
Then I started walking. It was as if some magnets had catched those people. And I was going. I was going. I walked like from here to let's say where Joy FM is. It's a big yard. Then I heard, hey. Alessi, viens, 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 viens. I know they've detected that I'm running. And where am I running to? If I go through the gate, I'll be arrested. And ahead of me, there was this very huge wall that I need to. Then I started asking myself. So I started running towards the wall. When it was about two or three meters, I don't know how I developed that wind. By the time I realized, I was sitting on the wall. I just scaled and I, was, I hold the wall and I realized there were so, so many bottles, broken bottles on it, which I still have some of the mark all over my body. I managed to jump back. By the grace of God, I escaped the prison. When I came home, my uncle said, there's a ship going to Japan. So, <laughs> may, may the Lord punish the devil. I want to hear a big amen. May the Lord punish the devil. Say, Japan. Say, that's good news. So, we have to travel from Libreville to Port Gente. Port Gente is their main port, like Temaport. When we got there, the ship was there all right. My uncle didn't inquire whether they were going on this day or what date. But we came back to Libreville. We bought Gary. We bought everything. She told him, I have my passport with me. And then he paid. The people were supposed to put me in the cabin. My uncle told me that she would be leaving on the 14th of June. So we were there. When I got there, I realized there were nine people already there. And where would we were, I realized it was the engine room, corner. Because we are straight away, you can't go into the main ship. So I asked them, is that where we are going to be from here to Japan? They said, yes, welcome on board. I don't know where they were coming from, but their food was finished. So my gary and everything became a welcome food that we started eating. On the 14th of July, a week to my birthday, the ship started moving. And they sparked the engine. And the place was so hot that I screamed. And I remember that, Kwamra, there's a phantom man among us. I remember how big he was. How 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 And I kept quiet. Then we started moving. Now we ran out of food, so we have to go to the kitchen to steal. And because I was the newest and the youngest among them, I was the first to go. When I went to the kitchen, I stole the food. I brought everything, including alcohol. And then we enjoyed. We were eating. Just after that, there's this Ghanaian boy, Essel. He said he's going to bring some. Then they told him that, no, if you go, they will catch you. And it was as if I was prophesying to the guy. I said, if you go, they will arrest you. But if you go, don't tell them that we are here. Oh, less than 30 minutes, the guy was hooked and brought to the place where we were. We have been arrested. The captain looked at us. He said, do you know something? I will throw you into the sea. I'm the only child of my mother. And there's something I've forgotten. When I was in Timah Market working, my friends who bring the money, he has a wife. 
And the wife goes to assemblies of God, evangel assemblies of God at Abraka. And anytime I go there to take my money, he will tell me, hey, Brajima, anytime you find yourself in trouble, just call Jesus. That was the only evangelism he knew. He said, anytime you find yourself in trouble, you call Jesus. And because of the relationship, I didn't care. I didn't mind. So when on that faithful day we were arrested, they threw the first person in. They threw the second person in. They threw the third person. I was looking at it as if it was a cinema. Then I started crying. Then I remember my poor mother. Then I asked myself, is that the way I'm going to die? Then we were left with only two people. I and Esau, the guy who went and still. Then they took Esau and then they threw him off board. So, but just as they were coming for me, I told them, I have to do something. I remember what that woman told me. That if you call the name of the Lord Jesus... You'll be saved. The Bible said in the book of Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3, call upon me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and unsearchable things that you know not. So I told them I want to pray. And for the first time, I went on my knees. And I said, Lord Jesus, if it is true what Ani told me that you are able to save, then save me. And if you save me for the rest of my life, I'll declare your glory. Then, I thought after I've prayed, they won't come for me. But they took me up, 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 and then into the sea. It was endless and boundless. So anytime I walk around, I said, I am a walking miracle. They threw me, and then I had a sharp pain as, as if I'd been divided into two. That's, that pain was so severe that I didn't see anything again. I went off. On the third day, when I opened my eyes, I was sitting on the rock in the middle of the sea. I was lying there. When I opened my eyes, I can see the sea endless and boundless. Then I see these bears. We call them seagull. About 21 of them just circulating my head. Then ahead of me, I saw the sun rise, and there was an image in the sun with the head as white as a wool. I couldn't even behold the beauty of the person. Then I heard a voice telling me, I am the Lord Jesus, the one you call to save you. And he saved me. So I started saying, thank you, Lord Jesus. Then beside me on the rock, that Bible that I've been dreaming about every now and then, I saw the Bible by me, black Bible. Then I saw a white towel, very big one. So I took it and covered myself. And then there was a peeled coconut, fresh coconut that has been peeled. I tried to chew the coconut, but my teeth and my palm was as white as this paper. Then I said, how do I live here? I went off again. And by this time, when I wake up, I was in a hospital in a town called Nyenge in Angola. How did I come here? They said there was, they say Roman father, that's how they explain. They said there was a Roman father because they saw his white garment. He said he went on a sightseeing in a deep sea and he saw me and brought me there that they should tell me that God has a purpose for my life. 
And I said, so how do I contact him? They said, oh, they wanted to talk to him, but they didn't see me again. Then I said, it's Roman father. The angel of the Lord has brought me here. I narrated my story to the doctor in charge. I brought, I've brought him to Ghana before. The name is Pauline Imba. He was a pastor, and then he led me to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. And he started using me to testify. And one day I was driving with him. Then the Lord told me, you say you go back to Ghana. Go back and do my work. So I came to Ghana. To cut a long story short, I told my father, my parents, that I am no more a Muslim. My father said, over his dead body. That Friday, he didn't go anywhere. He said, we, should, we are going to mosque. But then the current chief imam, Aladi Sheikh Shaributu Nuhu, he was the imam of the Malata Mosque. You know there's a mosque in Malata there? Very big one. He was the imam there. So we went to mosque that day, and whilst I was about to bow down and say, Allah Wakbar, then I started screaming, Jesus, 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 very loud. So they said, ah, when you can now, who is that? Then I realized that place is not my place. So I started running. When I got to my pick my things, because I know if my father meets me in the house, I'll be dead. He didn't wait till they finished the Juma. Then I heard him, where is he, where is he, where is he? Then I scaled the wall, jumped out with my Bible and my bag and my towel. In a small bag, I didn't have anything. The moment I walked like from Rako all the way to Kente House. How many of you know Kente House? When I got to Kente House, I met my friend Kofi. And he said, oh, he was a very strong Christian, a member of Pentecost in those days. And he said, oh, he's going to study in Japan. And while praying, the Lord told him to come and give his room key to me so that I would stay there. Wow. He was by then staying at uh, Kutobabi Market. There's a small room there. So I went there to stay there. And whilst I was there, I would pray from morning to... In fact, fasting, fasting has become my, my way of life. I can fast and I can't even remember how many days I've gone without food. One day I was praying, yeah, 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 I was, then I heard a knock on the door. When I opened the door, it was the landlord. I said, Ola, me don't know for your name. Then I asked, what have I done? He said, do you understand that? He said, light and darkness cannot stay. And I said, ah, who is the light and who is the darkness? He said, you Christian, you say you are light, so leave my house. I thought the man was joking. One day I went to an all night. When I came back, he has removed all the roof. So I came back to the streets. How many of you know Home Touch? Home Touch. From, home Touch from, not Ashanti Home Touch, from um, 37. After LWAC, when you go forward a little, there was uh, these officers, uh, officers' mess, Air Force officers' mess. Just after that, you find Home Touch. There's a bus stop there. I slept at that bus stop for nine months. I wake up early, early in the morning and I start dumb broadcasting. By 12 midnight, I'm there to sleep. One day I was sleeping there when this madman came. If you look at you, this fireman, is that where you are supposed to sleep? Then I heard a voice telling me that you are not supposed to be here. 
Then the scripture fell into my spirit. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. He said, be anxious for nothing. By everything we pray, supplication and thanksgiving, make your request known unto me. It was as if I've been hit by atomic bomb. Then I nailed down and said, Lord, I need a house. I don't need a room. I need a house. Then I heard Jesus telling me, ever since you started working with me, you have never asked me anything before. Now that you have asked me, I'll provide for you to start working. When I was going, then the man who sacked me said, The man is a big pastor today. I don't want to mention the name. Praise the Lord. Very big pastor. He's even a bishop now. So I started working. It was like a compass directing me. I navigated through uh, 37. Then I came to Legon. Walked through Legon. And then on the way to Atimota. Anubele is on the left. Kisema is on the right. When you go ahead, a little Christian village is there. When I got to Kisema, then I heard the Lord telling me, negotiate, pass the right. Then I moved to the right. Then I was going. Then I came into a very beautiful building. Right in front of the building, there was a padlock. The Lord said, stand there. That was around 4 a.m. in the morning. I stood at the gate. Anytime I want to move, I heard a voice, stay there. Don't go. Then I started praying. Around 6 o'clock in the morning, I go, I go, I go. Nobody came out. Then I scaled the wall. When I got in, I realized it was a complete building with doors and everything, but there was nobody there. So I went through the rooms, and I saw where the master bedroom was. I opened the pipe. It was flowing, but there was no light. Then I heard the Lord saying, stay here. I said, wow, I asked for a house, and you gave me. So I scaled out again, and then brought the padlock, and then bought my own new padlock. By that was, the woman, the, the woman who introduced me to Christ was a member of Evangel, so I was going to Evangel Church, Assemblies of God. So I bought brooms, cutlass, weeded the place, plant all the mangoes, the, the, uh, the coconut trees, and everything. And then I, I didn't have light. But I realized behind me, there was a man there who has light. So I went to him and I said, well, I need light in this house. Said, ah. Then do you know what the man told me? So this is your house and you have left it for so long. And, you are... and I said, I am back. I'm here. <laughs> so I, I became the landlord. And for so many years, I was working. And anytime I go to church, I want to do something for the Lord. But I never knew how to do it. So I started by serving the man of God, Reverend James Obing. He's still alive. I'll go to his house, scrap the gutters, wash his things, pump their food, iron the things. And I'll leave the house there around 8 o'clock in the evening. And I'll come back to my own house. <laughs> I did this thing for close to three years. Not knowing the man was watching me. He's a good man. He's a good pastor. One day he came back from Denmark. And he said, Brajima, make sure you be in church very early today. Me, by five o'clock I'm in church. Because I have to go and pray. So that day I went to church. 
And this man came. And then he said, before I pray today, I want this man to step forward. Then he called me. This boy has served me faithfully. And the Lord is telling me to let him go and do what I've called him to do. You are an evangelist to the rural world, so go. They handed to me a portfolio full of dresses. And then, because in those days when you invite me, you invite me to your church, you won't like it. I have this one particular coat I cherish so much. We call it Johnny Walker. How many of you know Johnny Walker suit? The tail is like this. I call it wash and wear. Because I don't have iron. So I make sure anytime I wash it, I... And if you invite me for a program, that's the best dress. And I have a shoe. When I wear it, you think I am bow-legged. Because I've used that shoe for so many years. So when the man told me to go, I came home. And I asked the Lord, you said I should go. What do I do? He said, turn your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 10. And I turned my Bible to Romans chapter 10. And when I begin to read from verse 13, it said, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call on the Lord that they don't know? And how can they know without somebody telling them? And how can somebody tell them without being saints? How beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. So in other words, the Lord said, go into the uttermost parts. Ghana in those days was 27,000 towns and villages. I don't know how many it is now. But by the grace of God, I've been to 18,000 towns and villages across the nation. I never want to be known in, in Accra. I was called the rural evangelist. And do you know something? All the Pentecost churches around Kisema, Domin, and Ngbele, Christian village, go and ask them. I started all those churches. The Lord didn't ask me to plant a church. And I have a very good friend of mine. He's also an elder of Pentecost. Most of you know him. We call him Osia Dain. Nanabraje. Today is my closest friend. We pray to him. In fact, I can even enter his bedroom without knocking. That's how close we are. He has been my friend for a very long time. A friendship spanning over 20 something years. So I started moving from one village to another, preaching the gospel. I'll go to Anglican church if you invite me. If I if you invite me to a mosque to preach, I'll come. If you invite me to Atwenyama, the shrine, I'll come and preach. I, if I once it is gospel, I'll come and preach. So I started moving from one place to another. But you think all these things, there won't be any challenges. I had my challenges. I was a drug addict, an alcoholic. When I became a Christian, the alcohol symptoms were still there. The desire for drug was still there. So from church, I'll go to, how do you call it? Accra Tudu. And I'll go and buy it secretly. Come and sniff. If I don't have money, I'll go to Apeteshiba. Go and buy about four bottles. Keep it in the room. And then within two days, I finish the four bottles. It was an encounter. And I also have a very bad temper. Very bad. In fact, no, no man has ever beat me, no. In Kapohin, Tamale, a soldier beat me, slapped me, and when I was about to fight him, they separated and he went home. 
I remember the next day I went to his house. Co, 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 co. Then when he saw me, I said, I want to continue the fight. Then they will separate. Then the next morning, I'll go and knock. Co, co, co. We are continuing. Until they transfer him from Tamale. Every day. That was how bad it was. And you see, the calling of God is without repentance. How can you be a pastor or evangelist? And everywhere you go, alcohol. Everywhere you go. In fact, at times I'll go and preach. And some of the drug addicts will show me where they say we. And at night they'll go and buy it for me. Then one day, the Lord told me, do you know what the eagle is? I said, yes, I know. And do you know the chicken? I said, I know. He said, is there any difference between the eagles and the chicken? I said, yes. I said, the eagle saw. And the Lord asked me, have you seen the eagle eating with chicken before? I said, no, it was in a vision. Then that went off. Then by months later, the Lord said, do you know the lion? I said, yes. Have you seen lion eating carcass before? I said, no. Have you seen the lion behaving like a goat before? I said, no. Then what are you doing with these people? That is not your place. So I went to the Lord in prayer. The Lord, take away drug for me. Take away alcohol and heal my heart. In fact, for the first one month, the desire for alcohol just left. I no longer patronize cocaine. I no longer have the desire for weed, and I became free. But there's one thing that was there. The anger was there. I easily, f- I mean, I easily feel angry about anything. Then the Lord told me, as part of your calling, I want you to be different to make a difference. Can I rewind? Now ask the Lord, if you want me to di- be different, he said, I don't want you to do things the way the pastors are doing their things where they lord it over the people. I want you to be a servant to the people. So the book that I'm writing, the title is Be Different to Make a Difference. So I went to Achimota Forest to pray. I prayed and prayed, prayed by this temper. But then I was living, I've left where I was, the, the Akisema house. The owner came for it. It's another story for another day. One day I came back from church and I saw the woman putting a uh, key, uh, putting key into the padlock. Then I said, woman, what do you want in my house? I said, hey, this is my house. So I took her in and I narrated my story to her and she started crying. So if I knew there's a good person, I wouldn't have sold this house. I've sold it. And I said, well, you have sold it too, but you have to get me a place. Then he gave me money to go and get a four-bedroom house. I kept the money and then I went, because in my evangelism, I need a lot of money to do it. I have a team. A lot of Muslim converts came around me, like David running away, and a group of people said, we will join you. And they joined him. I didn't have what to eat, but these people were following me, and we were doing the evangelism. So I was in the house there at Medina, a place called 12 by 12. How many of you know 12 by 12? The house is 12, 12, 12, 12. So 12, 12, 12, 12. 12 times 12 is, there, is, is what, 48 rooms. And then we have a small gate that entered the house. That 48 rooms is rented out. And the landlord and his two wives are staying in one. And there was a man there who has three wives in that single room with about six children. 
Imagine that house with only one toilet and one bathroom. So every time there is queue. So I left that house and went to Achimota to pray. And I said, Lord, deal with this temper of mine. Take it away. When I was coming home, there was this woman who has just bathed a baby with a toilet and everything. The moment I entered the house, she just poured the water on me. And then my, my heart started beating. I feel like strangling her to death. Then the Lord said, you just asked me to heal your heart. And this is the test that you need to pass. I never spoke a word. Then I entered my room. It's like the woman was surprised. So he came to knock at my door. He said, are you the same person? I said, yes. Why? He said, I didn't do that in deliberately. I said, yes, I know you didn't do it deliberately, but don't worry. The next day when I was going to church, the woman followed me to church. <laughs> Beloved, my testimony of, I'm giving you about one over 100. One over 100. I can never give you all. But there's one thing I want us to read in the scripture. First Timothy chapter 1. Verses 12 through to 17. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with a faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. This is trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into this world to save, to save sinners, and I am worst of them all. But God have mercy on me so that Christ Jesus, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of this great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Now verse 17, all honor and glory and to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. You see, let me tell you something. I find it difficult when I see Christians who call themselves Christians, they behave anyhow. We are told Christians are 71% of people living in this country, Ghana, which means Muslim, the ATR, the ATS, the other religion, they are about 29%. But the 71% of people who profess to be Christians, are we really Christians? How Christian is your Christian life? Jesus appeared to Peter by the sea. Peter has gone back to fishing. And Jesus came on the sea and asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than this? He said, yes, I love you. He said, feed my lamp. 
Then he called him again, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. Do you love me more than this? He said, yes, I know. I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Then for the third time, Jesus asked him, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? The Bible says Peter was troubled. He rethink about the question because this is the third time. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my love. Turn to the person seated by you and ask him, as Jesus asked Peter, do you really love Jesus? I am asking the pastors, the elders, the so-called evangelists, the people of God that God has called us, do we really love Jesus? Jesus took his, his servants and put a, I call it, tower around his waist and washed their feet and said, I'll show you an example. Go and be a servant leader. Today we are ruining it over our congregation. Do you truly love Jesus? Ask yourself. Peter said, yes, I love you. If I don't love you, I won't leave my net and come and follow you. And Jesus said, you left your nets and now you, are, you have gone back for the nets. Some of us have gone back to our old businesses. In those days, you were a thief. Today, you are still a thief because you are stealing with your pens. When it is 1,000, you add another zero to make, to make it 10,000. Peter said, I love you. If I don't love you, I only have cut somebody's ears in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus picked their ears and put it back. That when you love me, you don't cut people's ears. Go to our churches today. Backbiting, bitterness. There are people seated here. They have loggerheads with one another. And we call ourselves Christians. Those that call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. If that woman has not told me about Jesus, that is able to save, I won't be here talking to you. He took a woman. And the message was, when you are in trouble, call Jesus. Simple. Then she left it in the hands of the Lord. And the Lord perfected his word. The Lord gave his word and many are the company of people who spread it abroad. Where you stay, where you work, among your colleagues, your classmates, your family members, how many have you brought to Christ? How many have you preached Christ to? How many have you told about the goodness and the mercies of God? I came to challenge you. There's something I cannot, I cannot go without telling you. When I was about to marry, I told the Lord, Lord, I need a wife. Not just a wife, but I need a helpmate. I have never received salary in my 32 years of ministry. No, no church. I can ask you to cross-check everywhere. No church has ever said this, your salary, no. I am a pure evangelist, moving from one village to another. And I, the Lord, I, I asked the Lord, how am I going to, how are you going to sustain me? He said, I told the disciples, don't take anything. Just go. I'll take care of you. And God has been taking care of us. When I was about to marry, I told God, I need a wife. I don't want anybody who will come and give me a problem. But give me a wife. Then in a vision, Oseadan has given me a room at a Christian village. Behind, uh, what's the name of that church? Oh. Not pure fire. Uh, 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 Reverend Nomanio's church. Oh. 
fountain of life. Thank you. If you go by fountain of life down, Osea that was having a three-bedroom apartment. He gave it to me free of charge. So it was from there that I go to church every day. Whilst I was going to church in a vision and climbing the hill, the uh, golf course hill, I was wearing white lace. Then I came into contact with a, a woman. The moment I got there, she fell down and I helped her to stand up. And she asked me, are you a pastor? And I said, yes, I'm a pastor. Then my eye got open. Then I was going to church on this faithful day. Normally I go to church around 5 a.m. I'll be there. But that day I ironed my shirts. Six o'clock I was still lingering around. I don't know what was holding me. Seven o'clock I was still moving around. When it was eight, I said, ah, why? So just about to put off my shirt, the, the shirt fell down and it was mad. I went in to take another shirt and then there was light off. So the only thing I could wear that day was a lace, white lace. Because that one, even if you don't iron, they'll still not see. So I put on the lace. And here am I running, running, running on the hill. When I ran, I got to that point on the hill. Then I met a lady. Then whether she slipped or not, she fell. And I picked her up. And she asked me, are you a pastor? I said, yes, I'm a pastor. Then I said, this dress, go home and change it. Then I left. I didn't take a number. I didn't take anything. It was a revival week, and Openi Kojo Chire came to the church. And once he was teaching, he said, oh, anybody who wants a wife or a husband should come forward. Then I moved forward. Then I said, ah, about you? God has just shown you your wife this, uh, this night. Why won't you go? You go. God has given you a wife already. Then I remember the vision. Said, Where do I see this woman again? <laughs> so I went home, and I said, Lord, if it is your will, let me see the woman again. So one day I came out, I stood by Isaiah. There's a man called Isaiah around the area. Once I was about to take her, then this lady standing by me. I said, oh, Pastor, how are you? I said, I'm fine. Who are you? So I'm the lady. Who I said, yeah, 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 yeah. How are you? <laughs> then, by the grace of God, one thing led to another. And uh, in 2007, we tied the knot. She's beautiful inside out. Beautiful inside out. The Lord gave me a wife. The woman told me, if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. That's a, a, a evangelism. That's the only thing she knew how to do. And indeed, I call upon the name of the Lord, and I was saved. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the word of God through this message. If you desire to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, please say this prayer with us. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You came to die because of my sins. I therefore accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. I will serve you all the days of my life. So help me, God. Amen. If you just said this prayer, we welcome you to the family of God. 